I think sometimes as educators, we find out more about our students and more of the the truthful side of the story when they're engaging with the kids that they're most comfortable with. So do a form of polite eavesdropping (laughs) uh, with the purpose of supporting later. The topic for today's podcast is how to welcome kids back from the holidays with our special guest, Cherie Spencer, SEL coordinator from Galveston, Texas. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by AVID.org. AVID believes that every student needs a community of support to learn and thrive. To learn more about AVID, visit their website at AVID.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology and teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future-ready learners. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Ben. And we are educators. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom. Our quote for today is from Maya Angelou. One of Rena's favorite quotes, as a matter of fact... She says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So, Rena, why don't you reflect on one of your favorite quotes? I mean, this quote says it all. So, as you said, it's one of my favorites, and it's really about how we impact how we make others feel, and we can do that with very minute choices, with our small words and big words. And small actions and large actions. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture to make someone feel good. It can be minute, but a big deal to them. And so as we're thinking about kids coming back from the holidays or even before, you know, they go, we talked about that. What are those choices and how we're responding? We're speaking about it and how we're welcoming them. Yeah. And you know what else is a big deal, uh, Rena? Mm-hmm. We have one of our favorite guests back today, Cherie Spencer, our social and emotional learning coordinator from Galveston, Texas. Whoop, whoop. She was on my favorite things list. So she's like one of my favorite people back. Woo-hoo. And, you know, we went to such great lengths to get her tonight because there's a storm in Galveston. So hopefully no tornadoes, but a storm. Winston had a car accident, so he's off getting his car fixed. We've had computer (laughs) issues. We've been rebooting. Our headphones weren't working, but we shall persevere because nothing will keep us from our conversation with Cherie. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be back and talk about building resilience, right? Don't give up. Uh, And I love your quote because when you think back on memories um, or situations that have happened in the past, it always brings back an emotion. Your emotion comes before the story does. So I just, I really loved that. It's very true. That's awesome. Your emotion comes before the story. I like it. So we're going to have some storytelling time tonight and, and conversation around kids coming back with their stories from the holiday season. You know, we know that not all students have the same experience during holidays. For some, it's a, it's a very good experience and some of them maybe not so good. So um, we want to talk about that a little bit. So Sheree, we're going to kick it off with a question for you. So first of all, how much diversity of student experiences do you see students having, you know, in your engagement with them after holidays? 
Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's all over the spectrum. We have kids that are excited about the holiday experience and everything that they got to go see their neighbors. They went to go see relatives. They've got all these stories um, to students who are just excited to be back in the building with AC and food and don't come with those stories of gifts and relatives and laughing moments. Um, so that's, it's quite a big spectrum and which makes it hard or a challenge for educators to navigate that platform and make everybody feel welcomed. And speaking of like the quote to make them feel good about their experience, uh, whether it was positive or, or a struggling one. So there's, there's quite a spectrum out there, even with your adults and your staff, there is a spectrum for the holidays that we need to be aware of. And I appreciate us thinking beyond students as well, just to all the educators and support in the building. And that, it makes me think of those biases that I know I personally have built up. Oh, it's such a wonderful time. And then now that I'm aware, I definitely think about it differently and how that might project and being very conscious of those choices with our words and our decisions. So something to be aware of. As students come back, what are some signs that students may have experienced trauma during that break? Yeah, so some of the things that um, we are trying to do is to one, knowing that they're coming back is educating the staff on what to look for, um, whether it be words that children are saying or lack of words um, or just even their physical appearance. So when it comes to physical appearance, You might notice kids that are wearing the exact same clothes that they left two weeks ago in or a week, however long your break is, and they're still got the same dirty stains. And so that kind of gives you a sign that there wasn't a lot of cleaning that took place. Um, There's also signs with weight loss. Um, If you notice students have come back with uh, quite a bit of weight loss, that is a sign that there is probably lack of food or maybe some isolation of some sort. Um, And then you've also got your students who just are very, you're really super talkative ones that have all of a sudden just become very quiet um, and don't want to share their story or when asked about their story, um, just either avoid eye contact or kind of rumble over their words um, or just little things to look out for when you are engaging with your children uh, upon return, which is why it's so important to greet them at the door or at the bus stop. Uh, especially during this first week of returning from the holidays. I appreciate that specific, you know, thing that we can do. Cause I think a lot of times as educators, we know that kids are coming to us with these experiences, but we don't know what to do. So I, I like that idea of, you know, meeting them, greeting them right away. Are there any other things that you can think of that just might be actionable things that teachers could do? Um, yeah. So listen to the stories that kids are telling each other when they come back from the holidays. I think sometimes as educators, we find out more about our students and more of the um, the truthful side of the story um, when they're engaging with the kids that they're most comfortable with. So they might be out on the playground with their friends and that's when they're really telling their story because they're not going to be embarrassed. They feel like they're in a safe place. Um, usually their friends can connect with them and have the same kind of story that they're going to be sharing. So do a form of polite eavesdropping (laughs) uh, with the purpose of supporting later. Uh, And then also do some journal writing. Let them just have a quiet moment to reflect on their holidays. Um, I know teachers at the beginning of the school year have done the activity I wish my teacher knew. 
Um, this would be another great time to bring back that activity. I wish my teacher knew this about my holiday break or my winter break. Um, and bringing that activity back and then if you're going to bring it back, make sure you read what they wrote um, and you respond to it in that manner. So those are just some things that you could do inadvertently um, to, to find out what really happened over their winter break, which then will gauge your conversation um, when you talk to students as a whole. Mm -hmm. I appreciate those practical approaches that teachers can take. I also think polite eavesdropping, I like to say on the hunt. Because <laughs> um, I'm very specifically on the hunt for something specific. So I like to say you're on the hunt. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> I like it too because I, I like that approach too because you can do it in a way that's sensitive to not triggering the trauma because you – you're letting them sort of lead and you're, you're just kind of tacking on to that, which I, I like too. And then kind of thinking beyond that, we know we're going to get a plethora of responses. So how do you balance that spectrum of experiences that students and adults are experiencing? Well, I think as you're on the hunt um, and you're greeting kids at the door or at the bus, I think of all of those as like data points. So I'm collecting data to see where or how big is that spectrum of different experiences in my classroom. So if I have one or two students um, that didn't have such a great holiday, but the rest of them did have a joyous holiday, then I can kind of gauge how much time I'm going to send celebrating a holiday versus talking and having those conversations um, around different experiences or there are some experiences out there that students didn't get to engage in da-da-da-da-da. So how do we go about acknowledging those and making children feel comfortable in any experience that they had? For sure. And I really appreciate that comment about how do you have that full group conversation when you know you have all these differences? And for me personally, I always worry about how am I going to be triggering something in that student by having that conversation, like I want to acknowledge this person and affirm that their experience was great. How do I do that without making this this student kind of relive maybe a bad experience? Do you have any thoughts on that or suggestions? Yeah, because you don't want to diminish the great experience that took place for a child, right? Or make them feel guilty for what they got to go through. Or um, So I think some of that is preloading as educators um, teaching our students um, how do we engage in conversations when, when we're sharing experiences that might be different than others. So if you think about winning a prize or winning a place in a seat or a government seat, you have those who lost, but you have those who win. So how do you be humble in your experience, um, but at the same time show some empathy for those who didn't have the same experience? So I think as educators, before we open up, uh, story time or sharing time, then we need to talk about, okay, we all went on winter break. Some of us have different experiences. For example, there could be this experience of, you know, working or no AC or just didn't have the money because of COVID for gifts. And then you could have this experience where you got to see relatives. And how do we listen to each other's experience kind of without that sense of judgment, so say, but at the same time, how do we share our experiences without gloating as well? Um, so I think that's a lot of preloading and educating students on how to be an empathetic listener 
and how to share your experience um, in a manner that lets you be joyous, but at the same time humble. Well, what a great opportunity to teach teach those social emotional skills and interacting with others. That's such an important life skill. What a great opportunity to take for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering with some of those younger students, like we could provide sentence stems and thinking around that, just scaffolding for them or even modeling what that might look like. Because I love that they have the opportunity to practice that, but it can also be kind of scary. And I wonder, I'm hoping at this point we talked about, in a way you're starting over again. We've had this break. They've been away. We have to build that relational capacity. So maybe there's some things you do before you just dive into those really deep conversations. (laughs) Yeah, I would do some team building. Have fun with the kids. You're you're resetting routines and expectations again. And don't feel like you have to jump into that conversation for an hour at a time. It could be sprinkled throughout your day so that you're having that opportunity to have like a mental break and breathe in case trauma is brought up or triggered in somebody. Um, Then it's just a sprinkling of throughout the day versus, okay, now we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about our winter holiday and that's it. So I do. And you kind of brought it up. I'm just wondering, how important is it that routine and structure, especially when they're coming back from a break? Oh, my gosh. I think routine and structure is everything um, <laughs> for for myself, um, for all the kiddos, for your sanity for the rest of the school year, um, but also for the kids. Just like us, we love to go on vacation. But even when we're on vacation, we have some sense of routine or we like to create a schedule or know what's coming around the corner. Um, So with our kids, it's very important to get back into routine, get back into expectation. I think the sooner you do it um, in a manner that's appropriate, the faster that kids will start to mold back into and become familiar with the school routine. Um, And a lot of kids didn't have it over the holidays. And as humans, we crave routine. We crave it. We need it. Um, so I think it's, it's very important to get back in and let the kids be a part of that. I think teachers are really aware of that because in my district, the, we were remote the entire year last year. And it's funny, you keep talking about AC and I'm like, AC? No, we need heat over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, it was five degrees in Minnesota this morning. Yeah, Paul and I are like, you need heat right now. But that also, we talked about that sort of students not having heat. <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. Um, routines. Uh, routines. So my teachers have talked about they've been away from the classroom for a year. And so they were very aware of how important routines were and reteaching routines. I mean, there were first graders who had never been in a school. Um, you know, there's students that were out of school for over a year and the routines have taken a lot longer than they thought. (laughs) And just to reiterate the importance of that and how it provides opportunities for learning. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen the same thing. So that brings up a question. So what do you, what do you do when you see, let's say you're having a pretty good class conversation or things are going pretty well, but you see a student who's struggling either maybe with their, the lack of routine or the new routine, or maybe even just with the topic, what would you do in a, in a group setting when you see that happening? I think if it's in a, like you say, if it's in a group setting and it's a student, I think one of the things that you don't want to do is call that student out 
uh, in front of the group, I think you take that as a mental note. You know, you're on the hunt, so you take that mental note in. You finish up that, maybe that last sentence, find that time to kind of close up session or get the kids to do some independent work. And then make sure you go and check on that child and say, hey, I noticed when we were talking about this, your body language was doing this or your voice and your words were these. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Always, I go in with kids and adults trying to assume the best and seek to understand. And the only way you could seek understanding is by asking questions and getting clarification. And then from that, re-guiding them and say, hey, but don't you remember those expectations? So what do you need to make sure that you stay on target or that you stay engaged? Um, So I would not call them out, you know, wrap it up, come to an end, transition it, and then definitely go back and check on that child with specifics. Mm -hmm. And once again, back to how important that relationship is that you've hopefully at this point established. You might have new students at this time as well. So that's another thing to be aware of is the transition to a new classroom, new school. Mm -hmm. It happens over the holidays. There's some moves that take place. There's family stories that happen and children are moving and mobility is there. And then I'm just wondering at what point should a classroom teacher reach for that extra support, a school counselor or social worker, um, we are aware of some legal things like when we have to report, but it's like, where's that balance of mm, when do I need to maybe go beyond myself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would hope that um, before the kids come back, that there's some kind of faculty meeting or staff get together, uh, that the school leader, principal, counselor is kind of going through that with the staff on what to look for. And when you see this go, I think you follow your heart and your gut instinct. Um, it is never, I don't think it's ever a wrong time to reach out because the answer could be, Hey, you're doing everything you can. Great. Or the answer could be, you know what, you, you made a right choice by reaching out. This is what we need to do next. So I don't think there's ever a wrong time to reach out. Um, I think not reaching out is probably the worst thing you could do. So if in doubt, reach out. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> when in doubt, reach out. <laughs> that, that is so true. So true. <laughs> and with that, we're going to reach out for our toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What, what is in the toolkit? Uh, what's in the toolkit? Check it out. All right. So, Rena, we'll start with you. What is in your toolkit? I was just thinking about all the different relational capacity builders we've talked about in the past. Um, I really was thinking about, well, sure, you mentioned a journal entry, but I also like the idea of just sharing about ourselves, not having it tied necessarily to the break, like re-identifying ourselves as learners. Maybe it's how we like to learn, but using a shared Google slide and every child gets their own slide and they can share and then they can peruse other people's provide comments and it helps me too as the educator to reconnect and be like oh yeah i remember this <laughs> or maybe there's something new they want to share cuz we've changed and we grow yeah and i what really struck me was when Cherie said you know listen and kind of gather evidence and and what you're seeing and fact finding kind of a thing and i think that's a huge tool in trying to respect and understand the differences of experiences that kids have when they come back Sheree, what's in your toolkit? 
Um, I would say my tw- one, I love that whole slide, Google slide. I'm going to take that. That is so cool uh, because identities do change over time. Um, so one thing in my toolkit, I think is more for um, the leaders to the, to the adults um, is to engage with your adults when they first come back and, and find out about their experiences and where they're out. Get their pulse, get the pulse of your staff. Mm-hmm. I like that. Which now it takes us into our one thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. Time for that one thing. It's that one thing. So I'm going to start with myself because Winston's not here for us. But I absolutely loved your point about assume best and seek to understand, which also ties to Paul talking about listening um, because we should be spending more time listening than talking. And while I'm listening, I need to assume the best and I'm listening to seek understanding. And that's something that I can do mentally for my own self. (laughs) And my one thing kind of ties off my toolkit thing. And that's, I love Rena's phrase, be on the hunt, right? On the hunt for information and understanding and listening for little tidbits of conversations. We can learn so much. And it's so funny because I don't think students always think we can hear them. It's like, (laughs) we have ears. We hear so many things that are going on in the classroom. And that is such great insight for us as educators. Cherie, one thing. Yeah, my, I had it and I just lost it. Oh, my one thing is going to be the Google Slides. Like, I love that even for educators and students, for everybody to create a slide of who you are now and things that you've added, because you can even also incorporate holiday winter experiences into that uh, and learn a little bit more about the kids. So I'm, I'm taking the Google slide. You know, you could adapt that. You could make that a year-long scrapbook. You could do a beginning, middle, and end. And see the growth in the kids, too. And I love that kids can flip through and kind of give feedback and affirmations and stuff. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, Sheree, we are so excited to have you back because you were on our favorites list of favorite episodes for the year. And (laughs) just like we welcome our students back, we are so excited to welcome you back into the Tech Talk for Teachers family. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. (laughs) You guys are great. And you will be back next week again with us, hopefully without the thunderstorms and the car accidents and the computer problems. (laughs) But we will do anything we need to to have our conversation with you, Cherie. Oh, well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference.